amazing he's not up there growing weak he's strong he's king of kings and lord of lords oh man and he wants us to become just like him that's the goal is to become just like him and 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 he can do that uh he really has some plans and plots for us if we'll listen to him one time he walked up to me jesus did and said bobby i give you my personal permission to attempt to exaggerate what i'm about to do so I said to him, I'm going to need a verse for that. And he said to me, no problem. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or dare to imagine according to the power that works within us. Unto him be glory ever and ever. Amen. Amen. See, God put power in you to go to work. According to the power that works in us. God won't give us anointing if we're not going to use it. And we've got to learn how to walk in the anointing. And I'm telling you what's going to happen. God is going to release Psalms 92.10. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. That fresh oil will release my strength like that of a wild ox. I think the church has been a little bit too tame. Don't you? Listen, uh, we need to shake things up. I'm telling you, uh, remember in the, in the uh, New Testament, uh, some guys beat up the saints and said, don't you ever preach again or teach again in that name. And immediately they went to preaching and teaching back in the name of Jesus. See, we're not going to let anybody shut us up or muffle our mouths. We're going to get loud and we're going to be bold and brave and very courageous. We're going to do what God has commissioned us to do. Well, my wife said, Bobby, I want you to say something about the books because, you know, people walk by the bookstore and they go, uh, what's this book, Dread Champions? Uh, I'll tell you what this book, Dread Champions, is. It's to stir you up to be bold and brave and very courageous. That's what it says. The Lord said, I want you to do a book about David's mighty men. And uh, I am telling you, I, st- I studied about David's mighty men. It is inspiring because uh, that God would assign them a task and they would be absolutely steadfast to do what God asked them to do. And, it, and it, the Bible says God is with you as a dread champion. I'm telling you guys, we need to be victorious, not victims. And that's what the world wants to try to make us is victims. But God says you're more than a conqueror. You're, you're, you're really, really are. And so, Dread Champions, I want, I want you to get this book and read it and say, this is me he's talking about. And I'll tell you, one of, one of the guys defended a bean field. The, the King David would give them uh, places to defend, and one defended a bean field. And this is, not, uh, this is not some kind of super novel. This is straight out of the Bible. The, he defended a bean field. I know people won't even fight for their families, let alone a bean field, a lentil field. And he slew 800 of the enemy with a sword in one day. Said he, clay, he, hold, he held the sword so tight till it grew into his hand. Listen, guys, uh, this little Mickey Mouse, well, I don't want to stir up nothing. I do. I want to stir up the saints of God. This is, this is not a time to go, well, I'm just going to kind of back off and kind of see which way it's going to go. No, we're not backing off. We're standing up. Isaiah 60 says, arrive. I'm screaming. 
arise and shine. It's not a time to get in the dark and the damp. It's time to get on the mountainside. You are a city set on a hill that cannot and will not be hidden. And I'm telling you, you better tell the devil, get out of here. We're not going to have any of his little shenanigans. Well, you know, uh, uh, what about all this pandemic? Listen, we're going to cast all of that mess out. I'm telling you, we do not have to put up with disease. The Bible says he bore all of our sins, all of our sicknesses in his body upon the cross. And you and I, we have power to bind that mess. You believe that? You say, well, now, you know, I don't want to assume too much. Go ahead and assume that you can do all things. Jesus said it this, these works that I do and greater works than these shall you do because I go to my Father. He said the best thing in the world for you to, is that I go away. If I don't go away, the comforter will not come. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, you have the Holy Spirit, but does the Holy Spirit have you? We need to surrender to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Nehemiah 9.20 said, He gave his good spirit to instruct the people of God and withheld not his manna from their mouth. I'm telling you, anything you find in that Bible, you can do it. What? Anything you find in that Bible, you can do it. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belong unto the Lord, but the things that are revealed belong unto us and our descendants from now on. Wow. So we need to get in the Bible and find out these exploits. Daniel eleven thirty two 32b says, But the people that do know their God will display strength and what? Take action. I like that. I never have, like, just kind of, um, you know, settle down. Let's don't get too excited. I, I get so excited I could thread a sewing machine at running. You know what I mean? I don't like people that are not sold out in what they're doing. Well, you know, okay, well, and Dread Champions, I hope you'll get one here. Take that one. There you go. Yeah, you, you'll, you'll read that one, won't you? You sure will. All right. Uh, here's one. The Lord said, I want you to write a book about heaven's host, the faithful the angels, and the fallen, the demons. So I wrote the first, the first book, I wrote a lot about the angels and very little about the devil, the demons. So I'm driving my truck down the road, and the Lord appeared in the seat and said, Hey, Bobby, I told you to write a book about heaven's hosts, the faithful, and the fallen. I said, I did. He said, you did real good on the faithful, but you kind of skipped over on the fallen. And I was going to justify my little ignorant self. Here's what I said. Well, you know, I didn't want to give the devil too much due, you know, too much recognition. Whoo, that didn't set good with the master. He said, you know my word. I would not have you ignorant, brother, concerning the devil and his plots and his plans. And see, he said, the people of God, the only way to keep them from being ignorant of the devil's plots and plans is to write about them. So I had to rewrite the whole, whole thing and do more about the demons. I'll tell you what, the devil would if he could kill every one of us in this room today. But he can't. We're covered in the blood of Jesus. He can't harm one single hair of our head. He's more afraid of you than you are him. And so angels, they're mentioned 273 times in the Bible. And I, Billy Graham, uh, I, I wrote a little thing that he put in a uh, thing. He said, I was going to write about angels, so I went to rehearse it, uh, research it and couldn't find hardly any books on angels. We need to find out about the faithful. Psalms 119, uh, uh, Psalms 91, 11 says, the angels of God encamp around about us. Second uh, Kings 6, 16 says, you can have eyes to see into the spirit realm. Remember that? 
Remember the, the young prophet gets up and uh, he sees the enemy armies everywhere and he wakes up and left the prophet, get up, they're everywhere. And the prophet says, settle down, son, there's more to be with us and be with them. And I'm sure the kid was good in math, one, two. And then he looked out there and there's thousands of armies. And, here, and finally, uh, the prophet prayed, oh, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And I, I, you and I need to pray that prayer. Lord, open our eyes and let us see. I'm, I want you to know angels come. When we come to meetings, angels come too. I'm telling you, we, we, we've had a manifest in the meetings. And I like that. I like that. I, I'm telling you guys, angels are real. They're, they're real. It's not some kind of uh, uh, cartoon characters. They're real. And they show up to do stuff. Psalms 104 verse 4 said, They're ministering spirits sent down to aid us who are the heirs of salvation. Just to be quite frank with you, most of us would be dead mangled if it hadn't been for the actions of angels in our life to protect us. It's really amazing. I'll, I'll tell you one of the events that the angel protected me. I was, I'd been down in Louisiana, way down in the Bau country. And that's when we, I, I had a little Datsun car. I don't know what, about the size of that suitcase. Anyway, little old car. And we had been down there and I'd been uh, uh, teaching about uh, binding and uh, teaching about uh, authority and teaching. And so anyway, I'm driving back about, I guess, two in the morning, something like that. And it, it was a setup, man. Steven Spielberg couldn't have drawn out something like this. There's the, the peat moss in the trees. And you're driving through swamp areas. There's water on both sides of you. And there's alligators in those swamps and everything. And I, I tell you what, I'm just driving along there. And I, I, got to, I got to thinking, I thought, man, the road was narrow and it had rained. And then it's muggy and you kind of, kind of awful looking. And so I, I'm driving along there and it just hit me. I thought, man, this, this would be a real setup for a wreck, you know. And here's what happened. Uh, I go around and there's a bend, and at the end of the bend is a, a, bri a, a bridge or, uh, there, but it's not very wide at all. So I'm, I, and I, I just thought this is kind of a setup for a wreck. And I, I come around and just pull on the bridge, and here comes a car. It looked like one of these uh, Lincoln Continentals, about you know a mile long, and it gets in, into the water uh, thing and starts sliding sideways. And I'm telling you, Pastor David, that thing is covering both lanes, and we're, it's coming fast, sliding towards me. I'm in a little bitty Datsun or whatever it was, and I, I go, Jesus! And I was expecting the glass to break and the seat to throw, you know, and I just screamed, Jesus. And the next thing I know, I'm on the other side of the car. I look back, and it's still sliding. But see, God's angels did that. And no telling how many times they protect us from things that the devil sets up to destroy us. And I'm telling you, they're ministering spirits sent down to aid us who there is a salvation. And I, I want you to get the angel book. I, I really mean it. In the back, I, I put a lot of things about what angels did for Jesus and what angels do for us and what angels even do for the unbelievers. And I'm telling you, uh, we need to know it. One of the names for angels are watchers. They watch over us. And have you ever been in a place and you thought you saw somebody walk by the door and you're the only person there? I'll tell you what, you could ask, ask if, you, if it's an angel, say, Lord, I ask that you would manifest your angel. I'm telling you, they're real and they're really strong. 
You th- I, I don't know where we get this. We think, well, you know, they're just kind of petite. No, they're, they're not petite. They're strong. And I'll tell you what, they get the job done. So angels. Okay, uh, I got one. I got two more books to talk about, and then we're going to talk about what we're going to talk about. Living in God's Light. Uh, that, this is the thickest book I've written. But I, uh, I'm telling you over and over and over and over again in the Bible, the Bible refers to itself as light. Psalms 119, 105, thy word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Psalms 119, 130, the entrance, the penetration of the word of God brings light. It says, he will light my lamp and it will flood my whole life with light. And we need to know about the light of God. The first words out of the mouth of God was, it was let there be light. And God still wants you to walk in the light. And in him there is no darkness, what? At all. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we'll have what? Fellowship one with another and the blood of his son will cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We need to know how to get into the word of God and let the word of God get into us. Now, I want you to know, you need a Bible that you can mark in, that you can draw lines through because that's how it it burns into your mind. And uh, you need to meditate upon the word of God. Read it and then quote it back to yourself. Uh, my, my grandkids, we've got them where they'll quote the Bible. Uh, tell them, Car- Carolyn, tell them about little Christopher. We've got one, how old is he, six? Seven and a half now, Christopher. And he sends us a video, or what do you call it? Uh, yeah, a video on the phone. And it's him back there, and he's about half asleep. About half asleep in the car, and he's quoting verses. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus under good works, which God before ordained that we conduct ourselves in them. And then he says to his mama, don't send that to Mimi. <laughs> that, that to, to Mimi. Do what? And then after he said, don't send that to Mimi, he finished it. He said, Ephesians 2.10. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he knew that if, if Carolyn got a hold of it, she'd send it to all of her friends and everybody would know that Christopher can quote the Bible. Isn't that amazing? And his brother, wow, his brother, Travis, uh, Travis is how old now? 16 now. And, but I've carried him around with me. We were in the uh, American Airlines Center, and there were thousands of people in there. And I said, you want to quote some verses? And he goes, yeah. And he, and he can get up there, and it'll just flow out of him. People will scream. They'll go, they'll just because. And we've got to train up children in the way that they go. And the best way to do it is is uh, get them off of Daffy Duck and all this other stuff and, and get them into the Word of God. Okay? Say yes. It's sad when they know more about football players and baseball players than they do the Bible. We, we got to train our children up in the ways of God. And we got to train our own selves, hadn't we? Okay, living in this light. I like that book. I really mean that. Uh, you know, I get asked this question, which one is your favorite book? That's like saying, which one is your favorite kid? I like all of them. Here's one, Psalms 36, verse 9. For with you is a fountain of life, and in your light we will see light. Uh, don't you want to see light? All right. Now, here, here's the one that the, the, the shepherds shot for. Can you believe this coming October? It's going to be my 28th year to do the shepherd's rod. It, it's, it seems like it just happened yesterday, honestly. But 28 years ago, Bob Jones came up to me and he said, the Lord wants you to do the shepherd's rod. And I said to him, no, Bob, I'm not going to do that. 
Oh my, that didn't sit well with Bob. But I, I, was, I, was, going, I was declining his uh, offer to do the shepherd's rod because I didn't want to copy uh, and mimic what somebody else was doing. But I didn't get to tell Bob that. I, Bob said, the Lord wants you to do the shepherd's rod. I said, no, Bob, I'm not going to do that. And Bob rubs his hand like that. He said, well, he wants you to. And off he went just like that. And so I'm standing there beating myself up thinking, wow, I didn't handle that very well. I didn't get to tell Bob why I didn't want to do the shepherd's rod. The Lord Jesus appears right there and he said, yes, I intend for you to do the shepherd's rod. And I said, no, Lord, because I don't get revelation like that. When I said to him, no, Lord, I don't get revelation like that, he jerked me up off of earth, carried me somewhere up in a, a big round sphere, a big round bubble, and they were screens, just like there's tile in the ceiling. They were television screens or uh, screens that were playing different sequels uh, all over. And every time my eyes would focus on one, I'd know everything about it, the most minute detail about it. I'm thrown back down to earth. Jesus is there. He almost laughed at me and said, see, it's no problem for me to give you revelation. So I'm telling you for 20, uh, 27 years, this October the 3rd will be my 28th year, we've had visitations from Jesus Christ. He'll come tell me some of the things that's going to happen in the future. I write it in the book called The Shepherd's Rod. Uh, we, 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 we wrote about the pandemic before we came, it came. We wrote, but this one right here, I, let, me, uh, let me get to page 34 just a moment. Y'all got time? Yes. Okay. It'll be okay. Uh, even for those that are watching. Yeah, even those watching by media there. That'll be good. Let me find it. And, and, and here's what it says. You ready? I'm reading out of page 33. <clears throat> oh, I was going to, they said, Bobby, why don't you make some audio books? And I thought, okay, why shouldn't I make some audio books? You know, I got in a studio. I got one of the big old fuzzy mics, you know. And uh, the, I, they put the, you put your stuff, your, your script up on the screen, and you read it. It was the most pitiful sounding thing. It was like, see, spot, run. <laughs> and I thought, wow, you know, Joel Osteen, these other guys, they can do audio books, and it just goes, mine was pretty, it sounded like a little first grade reader, you know. <laughs> see, Jane, run. <laughs> but anyway, here we go. Uh, let, me, let me read. Okay, this is page 33. Uh, a prophetic perspective for 2020 uh, here. Uh, it is September the 15th, 2021. Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, is, is settling quietly, in, and I'm sitting quietly in my study in Moravian Falls, North Carolina. Words can't properly describe the excitement and expectation within my spirit. There's a super stillness in the atmosphere, yet there is this excitement and divine expectation, knowing that words of wisdom and much-needed prophetic insights will be released. I'm waiting before the Lord for this revelation and insights. He's, he will reveal to me for the shepherd's rod volume 27 so watch this let me turn to the next page suddenly see i was over there in my office suddenly i am thrust into a unique prophetic encounter the spirit of god the spirit of truth asked me this question what and it was in a real uh boisterous tone what are your plans for motivating the body of christ moving them from a mindset of simply surviving to triumphantly thriving what are your plans? See, I'm prophetic. I'm supposed to prophesy what God's going to be doing in the body of Christ around the world. What are your plans to move the church from a mindset of simply surviving to divine thriving? I was somewhat stunned and unprepared for this question. I thought for a moment, 
Then I replied, y'all boy, listen to this. I am glad this came. My plan is to wait for God to release to me his guidance and directions to accomplish such a daunting task. I was stunned at such wisdom. I was given to come up with such a proper response. Deep within my soul, I could feel the agreement of the heavenly host, the angels. Within my spirit, I could hear them all saying, good answer. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. All right. So that's what this book is about. Moving us from just a mindset of simply surviving to divinely thriving. And he said, you'll do it through Psalm 1611. Psalm 1611 says, you will show me the pathway of life. And in your, in your light, we see light. And he said, in your presence is fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. I do a whole study about the right hand of God. It's the most powerful place in the whole universe, the right hand of God. That's how he said he, he slung, slung things into being with his right hand. Pretty amazing. Where is Jesus seated? Right hand of God. Where are you seated? In heavenly places with Christ. Isn't that amazing? Now, I want you to realize you are translocational. You're here and you're there. Isn't that wonderful? If we would start meditating on being there more than here, it'll change us. We'll realize God's got a purpose for us. And we need to learn how to get into the presence of God. You say, Bobby, you will show me your presence and your presence is full of joy. How do you get into his presence? Number one, you get still. Psalms 46, 10, and 11. Be still and know that I am God. Now, we are a culture, a generation that don't like silence. We don't like being still. We want to be entertained. We, 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 we're not going to get still and quiet. We're going to put some stuff in there. I'll I, I tell you what. Uh, these, you know, a few years ago, these kids put these super sounds in their car. You could feel them coming. Good Lord. Best business to be in is audio ear stuff. Because Have you been around that? You can hear them behind you. You know. We don't like to be still. We don't like to be quiet. We'll turn on TV even. What you watching? I don't know. You know, we're just trying to get, we need to get away from and get unplugged for a while and start focusing on the Lord. Isaiah 26, 3. That will keep him in what? Perfect peace. And the, the people tell us right now, they tell us the number one drug being sold is to deal with anxiety. And you know what the Lord told me? He said, you better tell my people, you cannot medicate anxiety. You have to repent of it. Amen. Be anxious for nothing. That's what the Bible says. That means nothing. You say, well, you don't know. And listen, be anxious for nothing because he's a very present help in the time of trouble. And he won't leave us nor forsake us. And I hope you'll get the shepherd's rod. You don't know your, yourself how much power God really wants to demonstrate in your life. Uh, pretty amazing. And I I love how God does his stuff. You can just be doing your natural stuff. Now, I used to to love to bass fish. I think I still do. I just don't get to do it. I had me a ranger bass boat. You've you've seen them and got a casting deck. And I had a Shimano reel. That's like talking in tongues, Shimano. (laughs) I had a Shimano reel on today. They're very nice reels. And I love to go by myself. Uh, and get in, get in the, uh, and the best time in Texas to bass fish is when there's uh, thunderstorms. They're not, they're not, they're not on the ground, but they're up in the air, and somehow it just turns the bass on. And so uh, they come with me, 
I'm out there and I'm by myself and I tie on a Zyra spook. And that's a wooden stick about that long, painted like a fish with a bunch of hooks in it. And I tie on my Zyra spook. I'm standing on the deck of my uh, Ranger bass boat. And I go, (laughs) and the, the lure goes away up in the air and just stops. Now, I'm not a rocket scientist, but something's weird about that. I chucked the lure up there, and it just stopped in the air. I said, God, what's that? He said, oh, you're about to be struck by lightning. I didn't go, well, I ain't never been struck before. The moment he said, you're about to be struck by lightning, I dropped the rod and fell in the back of the boat, and a bolt of lightning went over my head, and there was a pine tree, a gigantic pine tree there on the bank, and it exploded into a billion little pieces. I'm driving out there going, shaka da 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 See, you better learn to discern the voice of God. Uh, yeah. Either that or somebody be putting you in a long sack and zip it up. You understand that? All right. So uh, get the shepherd shot, get the books. Here's, here's Carolyn. Carolyn, she's okie dokie. Carolyn, you got any words of wisdom? Go ahead. Okay, that's good. Oh, man. We, we, first time Carolyn ever saw me. I shaved every hair on my head off with a razor, and I put Vaseline on it so it would shine, and I was riding an Indian motorcycle down the snow-covered road. That Indian motorcycle would be worth a ton of money right now, a 750cc. Uh, back then, everybody had long hair, and I just had this thing. I wasn't going to be like everybody else, so I shaved my head. <laughs> Ugly, good Lord. Look, well, But anyway, she fell in love with me before we ever met. She'd go to her mama and cry over me. Then we got married, and she really went to her mom and cried. Yeah. I'll tell you one thing don't do. I'll tell you one thing don't do. We lived in a little, uh, at that time, a little uh, place and had a medicine cabinet, a little medicine cabinet, and she had all of her perfume. She had bought some perfume uh, with her own money before we got married. And, she, and so every time I don't miss, it would fall out. And so she was gone, I think, over to visit with her mother. And I wasn't doing it out of malice or meanness. I thought I was being uh, good. So here's what I did. I had my bottle of Aqua Velva, And I poured all of her perfumes in one bottle. Oh, Lord. Don't you ever mess with a woman's perfume. I don't care who you are. I don't care how much swagger you got. You ain't got enough to cover that. And here's what happened. She came in, and there I'd put all the empty bottles in the trash can, and, and she said, what? What have you done? I go, well, I, I, I'm conserving space, and I poured all of your stuff in one bottle. Oh, she cried. I mean, she went to really crying. I thought, don't worry. I'll buy you some more. So I picked up one of the little bottles. It, it was about like that and about that big, about like that. And I go to a nickel and dime store there in Athens, Texas. And I said, I need to buy one, a bottle of this. And the lady looked at me like, we, can't, we don't sell stuff like that. You have to go to a specialist store. And so and I go, okay. I went to a specialist store. And I pulled out the bottle. And I said, I need to get one of these. And she said, uh, it's quite expensive. I said, well, how much is it? And she told me it was a lot of money for something that little. And, a, that, and I thought, good Lord. And I, I, there was a bottle about that big next to it for about 3 or $4. And, yeah, 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 but, but I didn't do it. I, I, she, she got, you finally got some perfume, didn't you? 
That's good. Uh, see, that's right. And it, she, she still hadn't got over it, but, you know, she got her some, got her some perfume. All right, here we go. <laughs> now, th- this is to set the stage for what I'm going to talk about. What are you going to do when you're at your wit's end? That's in the Bible. What to do when you come to your wit's end? Say it, wit's end. What in the world does the Bible mean when it says you come to your wit's end? It means you have expended, expired, expelled every bit of your expertise, and the problem is still there. And I want to show it to you. Take your Bible, if you have one with you today, to Psalms 107. Psalms 107, verse 23. Now listen to what it says. Psalms 107, verse 23. Some go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters. Verse 24. These see the works of the Lord and his wonders in the deep. For he commands and raises up the stormy winds which lift up the waves of the sea. Those aboard mount up to the heavens. They go down into the very depths. Their courage melts away because of their plight. Verse 27, they reel to and fro and stagger like drunken men, and they are at their wit's end. All their wisdom has come to nothing. Now, I want to show you. These are seasoned sailors. These are not newbies. These are not beginners. These men that do business in great waters, they're seasoned sailors. They're out on the, out on the ocean, and it has, says in your Bible, God started the storm. The Lord raised up the stormy winds. Now, he's, God's not trying to hurt us. He's always trying to help us. And these seasoned sailors, I'm sure you can see them in your mind's eye. You can see how weathered they are. Their skin is brown from the sun and the wind and the waves. Their muscles are strong because they had to pull in the, 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 the nets. And there they are. I'm sure when the first wind started, they go, I've been here, done this. But I'll tell you what, I want to tell every one of us, we've never been where we're going now. Remember he told Joshua, prepare the people because we've never been where we're going now. And now this thing of being, our, one of our problems in the modern day church is we're way too familiar with a God we barely know. And we're, we're trying to substitute familiarity for intimacy and it won't work. And so here's what happened. The, the Lord started the storm, not to hurt those men, but to teach them they needed him. Now, this is what to do when, when you come to a situation, a, cir- a circumstance, and everything you thought you could do to settle it doesn't work. Let's find out what to do when you come to your wit's end. You ready? Look what it says here in verse uh, 26. Those aboard mount up to the wind, heavens that go down as deep as the uh, depths and they're, they're at their wit's end. And look what it says in 27. They reel to and fro and stagger or like drunken men, and they're at their wit's end. And verse 28, T-H-E-N. What does that mean? Then they cried unto the Lord in their trouble. And the Lord hears them and brings them out of all of their dilemma. Oh, that men would praise God for his goodness. See, the Lord started the storm in those sailors' lives to show them they needed him. Now, sometimes if you're going through hard things, difficult things, it could be the Lord testing you to show you your inability to settle it with your own, own intellectualism. And you've got to realize some things you can't do without God doing it through you. Amen. It said then, when they're at their wit's end. I wish we'd learned that lesson today. 
instead of just keeping on trying. Well, I don't care. I'll get it done. No, no. Then they cried unto the Lord in their distress. And he heard them and brought them out of all of their dilemma. God wants to show himself. Nahum 1.7, God is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knows those that are trusting him. So trust the Lord with those, those events. Sometimes, uh, have you ever been studying about something, con- contemplating something, worrying about something, and then during the night, you would have a dream that showed you how to fix everything that you couldn't fix in the daylight. Uh, God will do that for you. He'll give you help even through your dreams and give you strategies and plans that, that work out if you'll just give him an opportunity to speak. It says, then... They cried unto the Lord. Now, I'm telling you, there's another story in, in the Bible about David. When David and his men came back from war, they came back to Ziglag. Now, I, I've flown all night long just to spend one night in my house. There is something about coming home. And there's something medicinal. Traveling all the time, there's something medicinal about coming home. I've flown all night long to spend one night in my house. But anyway, here's David and his mighty men. They're coming back from a, 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 a war. And it so said they're coming to Ziglag. That's where their family, their fortune is. And they get to Ziglag. There's no Ziglag there. The enemy has raided. The enemy ha- has burned Ziglag to, to ashes. Now, can you imagine the devastation? It, it, it's, it's just, it's almost without words to say how, how devastating it is. Look, look here. This is, uh, this is. Uh, 1 Samuel chapter 30. Now when David and his men came home to Ziglag on the third day, they found that the Amalekites and the uh, armies from the south had raided Ziglag and burned it with fire. And they had taken the women and all those that were there. They had taken the family, the fortune, everything. Burnt this town to rubble and ashes. Now look, watch this. So David and his men came to town, and behold, it was burned. And their wives and their sons and daughters were taken captive. Then David and his men with him lifted up their voices. And this, now listen, this is like the Navy SEALs, the Marines. These are the toughest of the tough. These are the elite armies. And look what happened. What has happened in their life is so devastating. These mighty warriors fall on their face. And look what it says. I can't hardly read this because of a... Okay, look, then David and the men that were with him, they fell on the ground and began to weep until no sound would come from their voice. These are, can you see this? These strong, virile warriors that had faced everything, but now what they're facing is so devastating, they fall and they weep and cry out till nothing will come out of their voice. Oh my, wow. Whew. Now, it doesn't look like it could get any worse, but it's about to get worse for David. It says, David's men pick up stones and are ready to stone him. See, I've been in this long enough to know when sometimes Christians get wounded, they can't fight at God, but they'll fight at the man of God. You understand that? They'll take out their anger and their anxiety on the man of God or the woman of God. But look what it says. And David was greatly distressed for the men spoke of stoning him because of the souls of these were all bitterly grieved and each man for his son and his daughters. But David, what are you going to do when you don't want to do nothing? 
Uh, if there was ever a time to quit, see, David was a great warrior. He was a great leader. He had done nothing to, uh, to hurt these men, but the, the things had really, really been bad. And the men thought, we'll just kill, we'll just stone David. And look, look what it says. If ever there was a time to give up and just pull in the towel and go, I'm through with this, that would have been it, wouldn't it? But that's not what David did. What, do, what are you going to do when you don't feel like doing nothing? Do what David did. David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. We better learn how to do that and learn how quick. Because events in life can be very discouraging. Oh boy. When I pastored in Texas, I was in my study one time and had on a pair of blue jeans and just a little t-shirt. Uh, the phone rang and some, somebody said, could you come? There was a, foot, a football coach that lived there and had, they had built their house up on a, a hill like this. But to make a long story short, I get there even before the ambulances get there and uh, the, the teacher and the coach had got, got off and he's coming up and he's driving up the driveway. But somehow his little boy heard him coming in the car and jumped out and ran in the garage. But see, he can't see because the car's up like this and the car stops right on the little child's head. Killed him dead. I get there and here, that, I'll never forget this in a thousand years. The football coach threw me up against the wall. See, I'm the pastor. And he screamed, where's God? I wanted to ask the same thing. And then when he, when he screamed at me, where's God? Where's God? I said, he's the same place now he was when he watched his son bleed and die upon the cross for our sins. I'm gonna, we've got to never, never question the goodness and the validity of God. The Bible says the devil will accuse God to you. And say, well, if God's such a good God, why is your kid sick? I'm telling you guys, we better not question the goodness of God. God is a good, good God. And I'm telling you, don't fall prey to that. You start questioning and blaming God, you'll backslide. You'll be back in the darkness. Really? We've got to walk in the light as he is in the light. But I'll never forget that. The Lord said, tell him, I'm, I'm the same place I was when I watched my son die upon the cross for our sins. Wow. Okay, what, what are you going to do? David, he encouraged himself in the Lord is God. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I'm so thankful today. It doesn't give us seven steps David did. We would be in legalism before morning. But I can, I can suggest what he did. I believe he did what he wrote about. He offered the sacrifice of praise. See, when you need to do it the most, it's when you feel like it the least. Just, just and you need to do it. I know a preacher once that he, something went wrong in his brain. He started losing all of his memory, and he was brilliant. And uh, the doctors would say, we don't, know how, we don't know any way to reverse this. And the preacher, one time, he was just so distraught, he drove his car way out on a, a baseball field and just got out there and started screaming at God and just vented uh, all, all of his feelings. And uh, then finally, he said, when he had just, just cried out to God, finally he began to praise him. Lord, I praise you. I don't understand what you're doing, but I praise you. And God healed him. And the doctors go, we don't, know how, we, don't know, we don't have any data for this. You were this, and now you're that, you know. Praise changes things, doesn't it? God inhabits the praise of his people. When you feel like you can't feel him, start praising him. He inhabits the what? Praise of his people. And listen, if you don't feel like praising, get some of these praise songs and pump them into your house. 
at least a lot of stuff you're listening to. These late night comedians, and I'll tell you what, they're idiots. Don't, don't you think? Uh, and then they try to be political, you know, good gracious. Jimmy Fallon and that, all that kind of mess. Go to bed. Don't sit up and watch that kind of mess. Go to bed. <laughs> Listen, don't, i tell you one thing we need to do. We need to learn how to get still. What do you do when you're wore out? Isaiah 40 says, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up as wings as of eagles and they'll run and not be weary. They'll walk and not faint. But it says, have you not heard? Didn't you get the memo? The Lord's not weary. He's, he's ready to help you. And he is a very present help. You say, well, Bobby, you know, I, I can work it out. Mm-mm. The Lord started to storm for these guys to show them how desperately they needed him. And I'm sure they had expertise. I remember my, my wife and I were on a plane once. And uh, we were seated near the back. And uh, most of the time, we would just pray uh, for safe travel and for uh, protection. And Carolyn asked one of the, the guys seated, I think, across the aisle from us, would you like to pray with us? He goes, no, I don't, no, I don't do that. You know, we get up in the air, and we got into turbulence like you couldn't believe. This thing is pitching back and forth. And he says, can we pray now? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, isn't that something? You know, when the plane got to shivering, he got ready to pray, you know. I'll tell you what, I've had some awesome experiences on the plane. Oh, anyway, you don't want to hear about some of them, but listen, we get, we get down in, we flew down to, I, I think, uh, Benny Hinn's place in uh, Florida once, and uh, we get there, and, and we're, I'm exhausted when we get on the plane to fly, and I, I'm just about as, and Carolyn wakes me up. She said, Bobby, these two guys behind us are talking the vulgarest thing you've ever heard. You know. So, I uh, unbuckled my belt, and I turned around, and I said, listen, if you idiots don't know how to talk, I'll, I'll teach you how to talk. Yeah, and I just, I just let her rip. And so, they quit their vulgar talking. And so, we were down there, what, how many days, maybe five days. We get on the plane and guess what? Guess who? The two businessmen on the seats behind us and they go, hey, could we have another seat? You know, <laughs> so they moved to another seat, didn't they? But you don't have to be around all that garbage and not defend yourself. You know, these were grown men using the F word and this thing just right in the public place. And you know, anyway, I don't mind stirring up stuff, do you? No. Anyway, I could tell you some strange things about the plane, but most of the time I'll buy, uh, I'll buy a coach ticket and beg God to bump me up, you know, and uh, we'll get upgraded. Oh, boy, we've, we've seen that happen a lot, haven't we? God, isn't God wonderful? His ways are far beyond our ways. They're as high as the heavens above, above the, our, our ways. And we've got to learn to say, God, I want to work with you instead of against you. And just yield to him. That's the best thing you could ever do is yield to him. Okay, so anyway, David said he encouraged himself in the Lord his God. So I think he probably did what he wrote about. He offered a sacrifice of praise. And then he inquired of the Lord. See, when you're going through difficult circumstances that you don't see any way anything good could come from it, 
inquire of the Lord. David did. He inquired. He got the high priest and said, I, I, want to, I want to seek the Lord. And he said, shall I pursue and shall I overtake and shall I recover? And the Lord said, you shall pursue, you shall overtake, and you shall recover it all. And if you read the history there, it, that's exactly what happened. David and them, over, they, they pursued the enemy. They overtook the enemy. They got everything back that they had taken from Ziglag and from the villages next to them. Isn't that amazing? See, God will make something that seems impossible. It, it, he can make it absolutely above and beyond anything you could ask or imagine. Look at little David out there. Remember him? Here's a giant. I mean, a giant just mocking. And, and David said, you come at me with a sword and a shield and all this. I come at you in the name of the Lord. We got to learn how to let God fight our battles, don't you think? I tell you about it. He always wins. Remember what Paul said? Fight the good fight. Now, you never get beat up and go, boy, that's a good fight. But see, in, in the Christian life, Christian life, God always sees to the fact that you will prevail. Psalms 27, you read that one, didn't you? The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even my foes, come up to eat up my flesh, they stumble and fall. Though a whole army be against me, my heart will not fear. Have you read Psalms 27? When you said, seek my face, I said, yes, God. Your face I'm going to seek. You ought to memorize Psalms 27. I mean, just memorize the whole thing. It's good for you. Amen. Well, you know, I hadn't got time. Well, yeah, you've got time. Get up earlier and sit down and read the Word of God. Matthew six thirty three. But seek ye what? First. First, His kingdom and all the other things fall in the proper place. Well, what to do when you don't know what to do? Do what uh, those, uh, those sailors did. They cried out to the Lord. What to do when you're so devastated and seen such destruction you don't know, you don't even know if you want to continue to do. Inquire of the Lord. Seek Him. Praise Him. Wow. Let me, can I tell you a story? It, it's, it's true. Uh, I, I went off down to uh, the tip end of Texas to, well, I, I'll tell you this one too, since I said tip end of Texas. David Hogan, he's coming to be here. Now, here, here's what happened. David Hogan and I were invited down to uh, the tip end of Texas, down Del Rio, to do a conference together. Pastors and people came from all over. It was packed to the hilt. I mean, just, just you couldn't just like, just packed to the hilt. And me and David, they, they came because, well, Bobby and David will pray for us. And so I'm in the green room with David. And uh, the Lord said, I have a word for you and David. I said, okay. He said, uh, I want you to do what I tell you. I said, okay. He said, I want you to go over there to David and say to David, hey, David, me and you are not ministering tonight. Your little granddaughter is. And he looked at me kind of strange. He said, that's going to be something. The only one I have here is a little Indian, a little Indian girl they adopted. And I said, that's her. And guess what happened? See, all these thousands of people had come because Hogan and Connor was going to pray for him. Here's what David did. So help me. He put that little Indian girl on his arm like a little parrot on a stick, man. There she is, little old bitty 
dark-eyed, beautiful little hair. And David's got her on his arm like this. And she'd, he'd walk through the crowd like this, and the little, little girl just like that. Every human being she pointed at got healed. Every one of them. No laying on the hands, no casting out. Yeah. See, I'm telling you. I'm telling you. See, God, you could tell the disappointment when I told him, I said, David and I are not ministering tonight. The, his little granddaughter is. And you could see the disappointment in those preachers' face. Like, oh. See, they already had expectation. And they wasn't going to receive it from this little girl, but they did. And the next time David and I were together, I said, the problem is you didn't bring your little granddaughter. You know. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? Just a little bitty kid. You know, you couldn't program somebody like that, but the Lord did. And I, she, she looked like an eagle, you know. And then, you know, and every human being she pointed at got healed. I mean, cancer victims, garter, these things that come out of the side of their neck. Isn't that crazy? But what's good is Hogan knows enough about God to obey him. Well, you know, because a lot of people go, well, you know, I'm not sure about that. But listen, if God tells you, you can be sure about it. Just go ahead and do what he tells you to do because he'll never lead you astray. Now, the devil will lead you astray. There's a way that seems right in a man that ends up that way is what? Death and destruction. You need to make sure. I told Pastor David, I said, I'm not sure when we're going to do it, but the next school we're going to do here is going to be developing divine discernment. We've got to teach the people of God how to dig deeper into discernment because God's people are destroyed for what? A lack of knowledge. And we need to learn how to grow in our discernment. And we, we shouldn't be, we've got to do that. So the next school we do, we're going to talk about developing divine discernment. And I'm telling you, we, we need it. We need to hear the voice of God for ourselves during these days. Sometimes you can't get to a conference. You know, you need, you need to, and we're going to talk about developing divine discernment. It, it, it's something every one of us need. We need to grow up in, in discernment. And because a lot of times God will show you things and you don't understand what it is. But if you develop discernment, you can go, this is that. And he'll give you a template for anything and everything that's about to take place. Because you've already got discernment and you can put your discernment over what's happening and go, well, this is that. Okay, so uh, I don't know when we'll do it, but we'll do one. Developing discernment. That'll be fun, won't it? You say, well... Oh, I, I don't think I need that. Oh, you don't know how bad you need it. You have, we're, we're, we're in a nation right now that's drowning in delusion and deception. We're drowning in it. And we need to clear the deck in church and have clear discernment. And we need to hear clearly the voice of God. And one of the things that's got to happen is the trumpet needs to make a sure sound. So every one of the warriors will know how to assemble. And here's what it says in Isaiah 20, Isaiah 21, 5. Awake, you warriors, and all you, your shields, you princes, because the deadly foe is at the door. It's time to wake up and oil our shields. Oh, man, one of the shields we need to oil first is the shield of faith. Taking the shield of faith whereby you can quench all the fiery darts. Do you believe the devil shoots you these fiery darts? Yeah, he does. He, he wants to shut down your life. But anyway, God wants you to thrive. I wish above all things, beloved, that you'd be in health and prosper even as your soul prospers. 
It meant something. I just saw a black cloud suck up and take off that away. A black cloud. That's a bad one. And so some of you have been really uh, oppressed with witchcraft. And God is just delivering you right now as you hear the word of God. It was, I saw it swirling out that away. And I'll tell you what it's carrying with it. A bunch of black crows. The crows is always, they, they, they talk about uh, distraction. So this witchcraft that's been messing with you, uh, and you've been listening to the voice of the wrong spirit, and I'm telling you, it's spun out of here. Now, that's good. We're not going to have a church where devils feel comfortable. You say, well, you know, I don't want any trouble like that. Oh, listen. Listen. You remember out there at, at, uh, in wherever it was, Santa Fe, New Mexico, or wherever it was, they had built that sweat lodge, and those people were killed because, where Sedona, Sedona, Arizona, they built a sweat lodge, and uh, they built it incorrectly, and they, some people got in it, and they died. You remember that? They suffocated and died. So the Lord said to me, Bobby, what do you think about that? And I said, what do you think about it? He said, they were seeking me. They were trying to purify their souls. And they got up with some kind of a cultic person and got in a sweat lodge and, and died. I said, well, Lord, what do you want me to do about it? He said, I want you to go to Sedona. I want you to buy, invite all the warlocks and the witches and have a service. Now, you know, not every preacher is going to open their church for that. So uh, uh, David Herzog had a studio out there, and I said, I need to come out there, and I'm going to invite all the warlocks and the witches to come, and we're going to have a showdown, because, uh, you know, we're not going to put up with this, and so he said, good, so we did, oh boy, they came, they came, and so the Lord said, I want you to just start with the top one, so I scanned the crowd, I said, stand out in the aisle to a lady, and she's about from here to end of the row here and she's standing there like that and I said so you're the head witch here running this whole thing she said I certainly am I said uh well uh I have an anointing to set you free and she said I'm perfectly fine thank you such venom you couldn't imagine and the Lord said don't do like that do like this so she's about from here to nearly that door and I do like this the spirit of God knocked her up about as high as the door railing there, flipped her over like this, she starts screaming, ah, ran out, and all the warlocks went running out because their leader had left screaming, and see, we're still standing, you know, see, no weapon formed against you will prosper, isn't that something, so I tell them it's a dumb devil that would send a witch to church, don't you think that's the best way to get your army decimated? So anyway, you say, well, Bobby, I, I don't want any warfare. We're neck deep in warfare. We really are. And what we've got to do is be bold and brave, very courageous. We've got to know who we are. Well, but we'll, we'll never know who we are until we know whose we are. We're sons and daughters of the Most High God. When they look at us, they should see Jesus. Okay. Uh, we've done a, one time I was called down to a place, and it was just pitiful. Uh, and so I, go, I get there, and there's the parents or grandparents are old, and the, the 
the man or boy was very perverted. I get there, he doesn't have a stitch of clothes on. He's up in the middle of his bed, crazy, you know. And there he tried to beat up his grandparents, these old people. And so I grabbed the curtain off the wall and threw it over him because he's naked. And, you know, I just dealt with him and bound the spirit, you know, like that. And then I, 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 I leave. He just quietens down like a little puppy. I go back to the office. I sit down, open my Bible. It's cold and no life. I said, Lord, what is this? He said, it's what you did up there. I said, well, I set this guy free. And uh, he said, yeah, but you didn't do it with love. I did it just because I'm mad because he's buffed up these old people and sitting there acting like a monkey in heat, you know what I mean. So I said, what do you want me to do? He said, I want you to go back up there and embrace him. Oh, Lord. I said, are you sure? He said, yes, I'm sure. So I go back up there, park the car, get out, and here's the guy now. But he's got a fence post, a cedar fence post about this tall and about that big around, and he's swinging it like a bat. The Lord said, go up there and embrace him. I said, God, he'll hit me in the head with this fence post. And the Lord said, that's not what we're discussing. I told you to go up there and embrace him. So I thought, okay, I, uh, I may be going to the dentist after this. I walk up there to him. I'm not in a, a defensive mode. I walk up there to him. I have never seen any human being with such terror in their face. You, and I'm not, I'm not aggressive towards him. And, you never, he, and I said, what is it? He said, don't you see him? I said, who? He said, your protector. And angels were all around me. And I was able to embrace him. See, love never fails. You can do something right, but in the wrong motive. You understand that? We've got to love people. And uh, listen, I did. I sincerely was able to embrace this guy. Isn't that something? Well, anyway, you say, Bobby, I don't want all that kind of stuff. Oh, you already got it. You already got it. We're a spirit-filled church, and we're going to move in the gifts of spirit, and we're going to cast out devils. Freely we receive, freely give. Isn't that amazing? That's good. Now, this next worship time he's talking about, that's going to really be good. The devil hates real worship. Yes, he does. But I'll tell you what, God loves it, doesn't he? Now, listen, have you ever been around people that didn't like the things of God? They're easy to spot. Now, I'll tell you when you're praying for people in prayer lines, don't you ever pray for somebody that does this or this. Any cultic person, they have to cross something they have to cross something uh, to keep the power off of them. And, but they love to si- try to siphon power from you. But don't, don't pray for them if they've if they're got anything crossed. I'll tell them, nope, you've you got to uncross. You know. Isn't that crazy? You, you say, you mean there's witches in church? Oh, yeah. Most of them are, are in the intercessory prayer team. Most churches are, are destroyed by the intercessory prayer team. The devil saw he couldn't stop intercessory prayer, so he infiltrated witches in it. Uh, and this is true. And you, you can check about most church splits. Uh, they try to get the pastors here. If they can't get the pastors here, they begin to talk to the people against the pastor. Yeah. He won't listen to a thing we say. Da, 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 da. You know. 
Uh, look at it. You know that's true, don't you? I like that shirt. Yeah, God bless you. Yeah. Good. You believe God really, really, you know, you say, well, I'm too old. You're never too old. It says one generation will spend the rest of their time lauding and applauding the mighty deeds of God to the coming generation so they'll believe that God's everything he says he is. That's Psalms 146. The older generation will spend the rest of their days lauding and applauding the mighty deeds of God to the younger generation, proving to them God's who he says he is. Psalms 146. That's in there, isn't there? Anything else? I'm, I'm looking forward to, to what God's up to. I really mean that. It's very important about this thing of discerning the spirits. We need to operate in that anointing that rested upon the sons of Issachar. They had understanding. That's why we need that discernment. Understanding of the times to know what the people of God should be committing themselves to. We don't have time to waste a moment, do we? The scripture says, redeeming the time because the days are what? Evil. evil. That's right. And uh, they're, they're growing more evil. But you and I are going to see the glory of God. There's a promise in the Bible. Don't you ever give up on it. God's going to fill this whole earth with the knowledge of the glory of Christ as the waters cover the ocean. He's going to do it. And uh, I ask three questions. Not, if not now, when? If not here, where? If not you, Who? Somebody's going to be benefactor of that, don't you think? Yes, sirree. That's right. Hmm. I'll tell you what the Lord wants to do is behold. He wants us to start beholding his splendor, his radiant glory. I'm telling you, we need to see him now seated on his throne, beholding his splendor and his majesty. Wow. Pretty amazing. There's a lot of stuff we need to do. I want to, I want to pray for you. You want to? Uh, now, here's what I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray Psalms 90, verse 16 and verse 17. O Lord, let your works appear. Establish thou the works of our hands. Yes, O God, establish thou the works of our hands. And let your glorious majesty be seen by our children. Don't you want that? I want him to bless and establish the works of my hands. Oh, Lord, let your works appear and establish thou the works of our hands. Oh, God, the works of hands establish thou it. And let your glorious majesty be seen by our children. Yes. Psalms what? Psalms 112 verse 2 said, The offspring of the righteous will be, that, they'll be really, really active. Says they'll be they'll be able to advance swiftly and take charge. Yes. That's what that's what it says. Psalms 112 verse two. Yeah. What what do you do? This guy back here. Yeah, he's got a brown shirt on. This guy. What do you do? Retired. What do you retire from? Fire department and emergency medicine. Fire department and emergency medicine. Oh man. Well, God bless you. What are you going to do now since you quit? Building a house. Building a house. Yeah, that's good. Good, I'm glad. That's good. God's good, isn't he? He came from Texas. Came, came from Texas. I tell folks, if you wasn't born there, get there as quick as you can. <laughs> Texas, no, no, no. We love. Well, God bless you. Remember now that prayer we just prayed is going to bless the works of your hands, okay? That'll be good. You believe God can show you how to generate wealth? 
Now, anything that's been done once, there's a better way to do it. There was a guy that was a painter. He was up on the ladder running blue tape, and he heard my voice. Anything that's been done once, there's a better way to do it. And he said, are you talking to me? And God said, yes. He said, I got down off the ladder, and he said a formula came, and he makes uh, uh, frog tape. And frog tape is outselling blue tape 10 to 1. Isn't that something? Because he listened to what God said through the mouth of the prophet. Anything's been done once, there's a better way to do it. Yeah. I like that. Well, I'm going to be out there signing books. And, 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 uh, but anyway, let me pray for you. Father, you're who you say you are. You're loving and compassionate. But Lord, I want to thank you that you're also, also wonderful and, and righteous and holy. And Lord, you said, be ye holy as I am holy. And I'm asking you, Father God, expose in our heart any kind of darkness, anything that, that displeases you. And we ask you right now, give us grace to just carry it to the cross. Lord, you said though our sins be as scarlet, they can be as white as snow. And Lord, we thank you for the fact that your mercies are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Have your way now. Guide, guard, direct, do anything that needs to be done that we will keep our feet on the straight and narrow pathway of life. And we thank you for your presence now. I pray that you'll move us from simply surviving to divinely thriving. Realizing we are the head and not the tail. We're above only and not beneath. Teach us who we are because of you. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you, okay? I better... Thank you, man. See you out there. Thank you.